Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Gabriella Hoffman, host of District of Conservation, and I welcome you to another installment of the podcast. We explore many dimensions of conservation from the public policy realm to the storytelling aspect and everything in between as it happens in and around the nation's capital and outside the beltway as well i like to have a full spectrum view of conservation because things that happen here in the federal level often affect what happens in states and localities so we cover everything as it relates to conservation for those of you who are new and were curious about what we do specifically here and what the goal is of the podcast. Since I last went to air, I paid a visit to the Department of Interior for their annual Christmas party, which was so much fun. I had a blast attending that and going there in an unofficial capacity, not so much for interviewing, but I got to see some lawmakers, catch up with a few friends. I spoke to the Interior Secretary and chatted with him a bit, and he was really grateful for how my interview with him at Sporting Classics turned out, so that was really cool. I had to delay my hunting trip down to Richmond to this coming weekend because I was just so tired out from all the activities I was up to last week with client responsibilities, a visit to the White House, and things of that sort. But anyway, that was my week, and I hope you guys had a great week, too. Here's what I have for you on the docket today. Good news, guys and gals. We finally have a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service director. Last week on Thursday, I think it was around 12.30 p.m., I remember seeing this because I was busy and I had low reception and I couldn't check the results of this, but I was alerted on Twitter of Aurelia Skipwith's confirmation to her new post at the Fish and Wildlife Service, where she was serving in a deputy director type role capacity, and she was confirmed by a 52 to 39 Senate vote with about nine abstentions, including members of both Republican and Democrat caucuses. Her confirmation received all Republican votes and also three Democrat votes from Senators Doug Jones of Alabama, Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, and Joe Manchin of West Virginia. And both Democrats and Republicans had abstained from her confirmation vote. I think some were out of town. A few were on the campaign trail. Those Democrats in particular, Johnny Isaacson, has since retired and is leaving the Senate very soon. But for the most part, it went to plan. We finally have a new Fish and Wildlife director, and it's just really encouraging to see that because that's a really important role at the Department of Interior. And Ms. Skipwith will be assisting Secretary Bernhardt with implementing the sound conservation policies that the agency has been putting forth. According to a official Department of Interior press release on this news, Secretary Bernhardt was quoted as saying, quote, Aurelia Skipwith's leadership at the Department of Interior has been vital in helping us advance the president's priorities for the American people, he said. He added, I look forward to working with her in her new capacity. She's also quoted as saying, I am truly honored to serve the American people under the leadership of President Trump and Secretary Bernhardt, said Director Skipwith. 
I am grateful for the confidence that the Senate has placed in me, and I look forward to helping the Secretary advance this administration's priorities for the Department, for the service, and for American conservation. Ms. Skipwith will oversee 8,500 Department employees and work in concert with Secretary Bernhardt to, quote, conserve, protect, and enhance fish, wildlife, plants, and their habitats for the continuing benefit of the American people, end quote. And I'm largely drawing from an article I wrote, so this maybe sound a little verbatim, but from my resurgent article, here's more context as to why this confirmation was so significant and timely. I also wrote that there hasn't been a formal director since Dan Ash, formerly President Obama's Fish and Wildlife Director last administration, who served from June 30th, 2011 to January 19th, 2017. There were three acting U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service directors since then, Jim Kurth, Greg Shahan, and most recently Margaret Everson. Ms. Skipwith, as I had noted, had a role in the agency where she served as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, a post she's held since 2017. And believe it or not, with her confirmation on Thursday, she became the first African-American woman to ever hold this post, which is a very historical moment indeed. And not surprisingly, she got some pretty widespread support from different agencies, conservation groups, wildlife organizations, hunting entities, Uh, So it was really good to see that. I think the conservation movement at large is very happy with her confirmation from Ducks Unlimited to Safari Club to Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation to ranchers to farmers, people of that sort. And not surprisingly, the usual groups which don't like these types of advocates, the Center for Biological Diversity, uh, called her an unqualified industry shill, while the Sierra Club called her a crony. So if they're calling her that, perhaps that's good news for us. But anyway, that's what you need to know about her confirmation, and we will hopefully try to monitor what goes on in Miss Skipwith's new role. But I think there's much to be excited about and to see what she can accomplish in her new capacity at Department of Interior. The Bureau of Land Management, which is under the umbrella of Department of Interior, is going to be relocating to Grand Junction, Colorado very soon. And certain employees are very unhappy with this move, despite there being bipartisan support, especially among Democrats in Arizona and also especially in Colorado, With welcoming this move, it's not just a Republican move. There's actually quite a bit of Democrat support for it, too. But a recent article from the Associated Press pointed to the fact that there will be a mass exodus, so to speak, of BLM employees if these plans move out. And the article is quoted in saying this, opponents warn of staff exodus as U.S. breaks up Lands Bureau. I wouldn't call the relocation of BLM a breakup of the agency. It's still going to be in existence. But here's what this article from December 13th says about this. Opponents of the Trump administration's plan to break up the D.C. headquarters of the country's Public Lands Bureau are warning of a brain drain, saying many staffers who are being reassigned are opting to quit rather than move out west. Secretary Bernhard defended the move Friday. Opponents have projected that the number of BLM staffers agreeing to move from headquarters could be as low as 15%, which Bernhardt said was not consistent with what I've seen, end quote. The article says that the reason why this move is happening is because the Trump administration says the plan will save taxpayers millions of dollars, lead to better, faster decisions, and a trim of, quote, top-heavy office in Washington. 
Moving the Bureau out of Washington is a long-cherished goal of Western state politicians who cite the preponderance of public lands in their part of the country and their lack of access to decision makers. The deadline for most staffers to notify the Land Bureau, which is overseen by the Department of Interior, whether they intended to move was Thursday. But the Bureau had not yet compiled account for how many staffers had so far agreed to relocate, said spokesman Derek Henry. And for those of you who are largely unfamiliar with the BLM and what it does, most public lands are overseen by this agency that is under the umbrella of the Department of Interior. About 93% of public lands can be found out west, which makes sense for why they decided to move the agency to Grand Junction, Colorado. And BLM, as I had talked about before when we briefly discussed mixed-use sustainable yield management to public lands, which means that there are multiple uses to public lands, not just recreating. There's also, in accordance to conservation standards, the ability for people to work on public lands. It's supposed to have a multiple use because if you don't have multiple use management, a a strict adherence to that, uh, preservation is another extreme, which we do not want, and that greatly discourages people from going outdoors. And then I don't know anyone who pursues a full development agenda. I think those people are in the very tiny minority if they are even a semblance of influence. I have not seen anyone push for let's develop every single acre of public land. That's a really minority position. We actually, I think, should be more fearful of those in the preservation camp. But anyway, um, BLM is also responsible for issuing oil and gas drilling permits. It allows, again, for mining and ranching and just having everything in sync uh, from there. And this article also notes that uh, they're going to move about 300 positions from D.C. to other offices in 11 western states, including Nevada, Arizona, and Utah. And about 25 will be going to the new headquarters in Grand Junction, Colorado. You mostly see opposition from Democrats and radical environmentalists, more so their uh, entities. Like I said, there's actually growing bipartisan support for this move, especially from People like the Colorado governor, Jared Paulus, who is no conservative. He is a pretty far left Democrat, but on issues of conservation, he understands what needs to be done. And he's come out in support of this move to Grand Junction. There's also support from the senior senator from Colorado, Michael Bennett, who is running for president, too. And again, he's no conservative as well. Uh, Secretary Bernhardt just posted a video of him and Cory Gardner who is the Republican senator from Colorado, expressing their support for this. I also want to note that there was actually a bill last Congress called, uh, there are two versions of it, the House version and a Senate version during the 115th Congress, called the Bureau of Land Management Headquarters Relocation Act. And believe it or not, it did have some bipartisan support, mostly support from Republicans, but also some support from Democrats. And those three Democrats, believe it or not, were then-Congressman Jared Paulus, of Colorado's 2nd District. It also included support from Kirsten Cinema, who is now the senator from Arizona, and also included another Democrat in support of this move, Ed Pullmutter of Colorado 7th. So when presented this type of bill in Congress, it didn't get anywhere. It actually died and didn't go beyond committee outside of the House Natural Resources Committee. Uh, 
and essentially no further vote was considered to it. There was no full house vote. So bills supporting this move have been introduced in the past and it has received some bipartisan support. So I, here's the key takeaway from all this, given the context and the fact that some people are warning that they're going to quit all power to them. Go quit. If you're not in support of pushing a true conservation agenda and you don't like working for the Bernhardt administration in the Department of Interior, feel free to leave. There will be plenty of people who would eagerly jump on board to work, especially out west. And if you also claim to be supportive of nature, you love nature and you want to do a good job, why not work out west? and be more attuned to people and actually see mixed use, sustainable yield in action in the flesh. What better way to be more attuned to your job responsibilities than to be in that area and have it in your backyard. More importantly, like I had mentioned earlier, most public lands lie out West and people have long complained that the BLM hasn't been responsible and attuned to stakeholder needs, especially those of private landowners and others who have felt betrayed and stepped on by previous administration's Bureau of Land Management policies. There was a growing distrust among federal worker or federal entities and those out West. And I think this administration has done a really good job of trying to repair relations to involve more stakeholders. And I don't really see anything contentious or wrong, but if people are wanting to quit, that's their problem. Perhaps it'll make the agency more streamlined and perhaps people work more efficiently. And I I don't see anything, any fault with this. I think this is a welcome move. I think BLM will be more effective out West. And if people have to come to DC to meet with congressmen or other lawmakers, they can always take a plane and chart out here. They don't have to be here in DC, far away from the area they're surveying and managing and being tone deaf to the needs and concerns of people out West. So I fully support BLM's move out west to Grand Junction. I talked about this before. I have argued this case before, and there is precedent for it to move out west, like I mentioned with with the previous bills that had been presented. The third story I have for you guys is a little more interesting, and it piqued my interest because there's a lot of controversy with uh, bigger species out there like alligators. And since I am from California, this really piqued my interest. But did you guys hear about the lawsuit the state of Louisiana has filed against California for refusing to put another exemption on the sale of alligator goods into the state? So here's what it is. Bear with me. Uh, According to NBC News, the lawsuit alleges that Uh, The economy surrounding alligators has played a key role in bringing back the American alligator population and is an important factor in protecting wetlands and other species besides alligators that depend on the wetlands. Quote, the lawsuit says, California has nevertheless attempted to destroy the market for American alligator products, notwithstanding the fact that no such alligators live in California, end quote. And some more context, as reported by the Times Picayune, New Orleans advocate, um, California apparently, I didn't know this, banned alligator skins and meats in the 1970s, but repeatedly allowed exemptions to the rule that allowed some limited sales. Uh, This New Orleans advocate also reported that the most recent exemption expires on January 1st of next year. And lo and behold, California's legislature did not pass another exemption that would allow for the sale of alligator skins and meats in the state. Not surprisingly, 
the alligator ban uh, to withhold this exemption was backed by animal rights advocates and environmental groups. It's also further stated in this lawsuit, according to NBC News, that because most of the state's coastal habitat is privately owned, the state does not have direct control over how it is managed. Uh, but it also adds that alligator industry provides economic incentives for landowners to take steps to protect marshlands that serve as habitat for the alligators. The state argues that if California's ban goes into effect, quote, landowners will be forced to greatly reduce or cease their erosion control efforts because they will be unable to economically sustain those efforts, resulting in irreparable harm to their property, as well as harm to Louisiana's sovereign environmental interests in wetland preservation, end quote. According to Louisiana's Wildlife and Fisheries Agency, over 300,000 alligators are harvested every year from both farm and wildlife sources. I know the harvesting of alligators is quite controversial, much like it would be for the harvesting of grizzly bears and other apex predators. But what people don't understand in some states like Louisiana, if over 300,000 alligators are being legally taken and people are uh, doing it in accordance with state law, a lot of those monies are going to be going back to conservation efforts, much like what a lot of the plaintiffs are arguing to wetlands restoration, to preserve the species. So you have to look at it from that lens. Where are the money's going to? If it's going back to, to help with conservation efforts, I think it should be celebrated and good for the state of Louisiana for, for challenging California with all their egregious policy. I think this is interesting. And yes, while controversial, uh, the management of alligators plays an important role in conservation too, much like grizzly bear management does. If, if that were to go through out west uh, again sometime in the future, if we if the ESA listing could be challenged successfully or, or countered in the courts. But yeah, this is interesting. And uh, alligator is quite delicious. I had some at a Brazilian restaurant recently. So take my word for it. You're going to find the story really compelling. And I've included it in the show notes for you guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and your participating platforms out there, especially the ones that you listen to. I know that some people are listening to Overcast and some new ones. So wherever you listen to podcasts, find us there. You can find us on most participating platforms out there. If you're on Apple Podcasts, that's where most of our listeners are. So be sure if you're using that platform, subscribe to us, listen to past episodes, and please leave a review. That goes a long way in getting us more reach, more visibility, and climbing the Apple Podcast ranks. If you could do that, we would be really grateful. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat, nor a guest appearance announcement. Listen for Wednesday's episode where I briefly discuss and touch upon the new study from Go Wild about hunting participation. The initial findings have been really fascinating, and we're going to examine them here on the podcast. Until then, have a good day.